Welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. I will continue from Egypt to Canaan, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10. So it shall be that when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hill heart wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, where you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies, his statutes, which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that he may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers, to cast out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. So shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, we started a few Sundays back. We were trying to make a distinction between Egypt and Canaan. And we said Canaan is not heaven. Canaan is a promised land that God actually ordained for us to live in this realm. He brought us out of the land of Egypt, just like the Israelites, to take us into Canaan. And of course, last week we said between Egypt and Canaan is the wilderness. I would say the wilderness is a place of pruning. When he brought them out of the land of Egypt, he didn't take them straight into Canaan. He had to take them through the wilderness. Rather than take them through a shorter route, he took them through a longer route. He took them through the route of the Red Sea. It was deliberate because he wanted them to see his wonders again. So the essence of the wilderness was to prune them, to get the best out of them. Without a squeeze, you can't get a juice from the orange. So God will always use some experience to make us better people. The wilderness is to make them to learn how to walk the walk of faith. Help them to learn that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The wilderness is to help them to learn, to teach them holiness. Even Jesus had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. So God wants to get the best out of you. He knows the appropriate time for you to get out of that challenge. But you have to learn to cooperate with him. Many times we elongate our testing periods because we do other things. Because we are not focused on God, we try to cut corners. When you cut corners, you have yourself to blame at some point in time. If you don't carry a pregnancy to full time and the baby comes out before time, that's a premature and there are consequences. So God is a wonderful planner. He has your life in his hands. So you better learn to rest in his hands. You better learn to resign to him. Because you see, when you rest in God's hands, you are secure. Somebody said if you cannot see God, trust him. If you can't trace him. Because he's always there. If you cannot trace God, trust him. So the whole essence of the wilderness is to help them to become better people. But you see, the wilderness can be elongated. Like in their own case, only two in a generation enter Canaan. That was it, God's plan. It's my prayer you will make it. Jesus paid the price for your redemption. And because of Jesus, we shall all make it in the mighty name of Jesus. So we said last week that the God factor matters in how long you spend in the wilderness. 
We said also that your attitude matters. These guys, they just had a stinking attitude. That was why God kept them, and they all died in the wilderness. We also said that your vision matters. What you see determines what you become. So we are going to just go on to talk about a few other determinants. What determines how long you spend in the wilderness. God brought them out of Egypt. The goal was Canaan. Canaan is a land of milk and honey. People are living Canaan. You can live Canaan earthwise. When God gives you good health, that's some living Canaan, where you sleep well, where you have money, where you have options. In Canaan, people have options. In Egypt, people don't have options. In Egypt, people don't own stuff. Slaves do not own. But in Canaan, people own properties. They own real estate. Egypt is a place of captivity, a place that you are under tribute. But in Canaan, is a land of freedom. One determiner that matters, one thing that matters so much, is divine direction. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Romans 8, 14, that as many who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As a Christian, you are not just a human being, you are also a spirit being. In other words, you are not just a human being, human beings just take decisions based on their intellect alone. You also have a more powerful resource, you are a spirit being. Bible says those who are born of the flesh, they are flesh. Those who are born of the spirits, they are spirits. So in other words, there's a spiritual part of you. There's a subconscious part of you because your spirit man, where you tune well to God, you can hear God. God wants you to be led by the spirits. He wants you to take decisions based on his word and based on the Holy Spirit. We are not led by the flesh. This guy was led, he looked at the plain very close to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he saw the lusciousness, he saw the beauty, the vegetation, he saw everything. He said, look, that's where I'm going to. In other words, people are led by different things. But God says, before you take decisions, ask me. Learn to hear me talk to you. And he talks to you through your spirits. We contact, we relate with the physical world through our physical body. You relate with the intellectual world through your mind. We relate with the spiritual world through your spirit. A man is a tripartite being. He has a spirit, he has a mind, and he lives in a body. So, you have to learn to develop your spirit, man, to hear God. Bible says, build up yourselves upon your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Build up yourself. There's a way you can tune yourself into the frequency of heaven. But it takes development because the wilderness is a large expanse of land. It's a large expanse of land. People get lost easily in the wilderness. That was why God had to be leading them in the night by the pillar of fire, in the daytime by the pillar of cloud. So God says, I want to lead you. Don't just take decisions as if you have no commander-in-chief. Be wise. Because many times, where you think things are happening, it may not be happening there. There's a spirit in you. And God's inspiration gives you understanding. God talks to us by the inward witness. You just have this impression. The ways of the spirits is so wonderful. But you have to know how God talks to you particularly because that's the way to go. And there's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere that's easier to hear God. This guy, John the Revelator, when he saw Revelation, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. And then God began to download. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. In the spirit on the Lord's day. That was how he was able to download what God was telling the seven churches. So there's a way you can shield yourself from this world and then begin to try to hear God. It's my prayer God will bless your hearing. He will bless your sights in the mighty name of Jesus. You will see the invisible. 
you will hear the inaudible in the mighty name of Jesus. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to also search out a matter. Another determinant of how long you spend in the wilderness is what I call the personal knowledge of God. Personal knowledge of God. When we get born again, we begin to know God because the Spirit comes to live in us and we begin to know God. And you see, the Bible says fear is not good. It has torments. Fear afflicts. When you are so fearful in life, you can become sick. You can be afflicted. Many of the things that we call terminal ailments today, a good number of the times, I didn't say all the time, is because of some emotional distress. Fear is not a friend. The only kind of fear you have that is good is the fear of God. Once you genuinely fear God, there's nothing else to fear. Life has a way of just making you fear things. But when you are truly born again, the love of God drives out fear. The love of God, when it's truly planted in you, it has a way of driving out other fears. David was a young boy. He was a teenager. For 40 days, the whole army was held captive by Goliath. But when this young man came, they took on Goliath because he knew God. There's something about knowing God that makes you combat fears. Peter was asleep. Herod was going to cut off his head, and yet he was still able to sleep in prison. Because there's something about knowing God. When you know God, you'll be at rest. Those who know their God shall be strong, and they shall do exploits. So people will remain in the wilderness because of fear. Fear is a stopper. Life can intimidate you if you are not careful. But you have to know who you are so that you will not be intimidated. The Bible tells us about Terah, the father of Abraham. It was the first one that God called, Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. But he got to a place called Aaron, and he stayed. Terah took his son Abraham and his grandson, Genesis eleven thirty-one, the son of Aaron, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and they went out with them from all of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. They were going to the land of Canaan, and they came to Aaron and dwelt there. So God called Abraham's father, said, I want to take you to the land of Canaan. But he got to the wilderness of Aaron, and he perched. So after he died, God had to now call Abraham again. Now we have to continue the journey. And Terah must have stopped because of fear. It's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Another determinant that determines how long you stay in the wilderness is what I call desperate cry. There's a difference between crying and desperate crying. Blood Bartimaeus, Jesus Christ was entering Jericho. And he was going out simultaneously from Jericho. And the Bible says this guy was at the intersection. And he cried, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And people around said, oh, shut up, you are crying too much. And he cried out the more. And Jesus stood still. It was a desperate cry. It was tired of blindness. It was desperate for a change. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 6, Psalm 34, verse 6, said this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and delivered him from all his troubles. So this poor man cried. A poor man is a man who has no options. A poor man is a man who has nobody leaning on. Many people don't cry because they have options. So, we have to learn that there's a way you cry to God and God will respond. God wants people to cry desperately. There's a place of being alone with God in prayers. Jonah cried in the belly of the fish. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction and he answered me. 
out of the belly I cried, and you heard my voice. In other words, this guy was locked up in the belly, in the mess of the belly of a whale, and he was crying out to God in the belly of a fish. He was in a wilderness, a bad one, and God had him. Maybe the reason why God is not hearing you is because you are not crying enough. It's because you are not crying enough. That fish was commanded to vomit Jonah. It's my prayer every captivity you are in, God will command victory for you this moment in the mighty name of Jesus. And I stand as his man to command victory for you in the mighty name of Jesus. The fish was commanded after Jonah cried in the belly of the fish. It was commanded to vomit Jonah. Is my prayer everything that is trying to hold you captive. God will command victories for you in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, Isaiah 41 verse 21, say, bring forth your strong reasons. Say, present your case. Say, put me in remembrance. There's a way you pray intelligently. As you cry to God, always remember intelligent prayers. Many prayers are not being answered because they are not intelligent. People are trying to move God and they don't have the scriptures to move him. If you know how lawyers prepare to just handle one case before an earthly judge, they will cite examples, they will do research, they will go look for authorities, look for similar cases in the past, and they will put everything together. It's hard work. But by the time they begin to present their case, the judge listens. And God tells you, look, there's a court of heaven that at every point in time, regular moments, you have to learn to present your case in the court of heaven. Say, if you have any reason, bring it up. Present your case. Isaiah 41 verse 21. Isaiah 43 verse 26. Say, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. So, you are trusting God. Where are the scriptures? Have you gone over them? What's the research? What's the premise you are standing on to move God? What are you telling God in your closets? As you learn to cry to God desperately, you know, at times it's your heart that is crying. But at times it's also better to cry out. When you see toddlers, they want something and they are not answering them. By the time they yell, ah, yelling means I need your attention now. And everything stops. That was what Blythe Bartimaeus did for Jesus. So, yes, we are gentlemanly, but there's a place for yelling. There's a place for heart cry. Is my prayer God to help us to learn to cry? If Jonah would cry in the belly of a whale, and God had and delivered him, think about it. Your case is not as terrible as that. I mean, you are still in a free place. You are not in the belly of a whale. I mean, you can still cry. That's a bad place to be. At times, God has to corner some people to make them cry. But you will not be cornered before you cry out to God in Jesus' mighty name. Desperate cry. And desperate situations many times require desperate measures. As you engage the gear of desperation, you will see God come through for you in Jesus' mighty name. Another thing that can elongate or shorten your wilderness experience is obedience. In fact, this is really the underguard of it. Because obedience will shorten your journey get you into Canaan on time, disobedience will lengthen it. If I'm going to my house now and I punch it in my GPS, that's the destination, that's the Canaan I'm going to punch it in, and the thing begins to lead me, and I refuse to be led, I will remain, and they will keep telling me, no, 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 the journey, the distance that will be elongated. That's how many of us are. God says, look, I want to bring you to this land, but you never obey him. You just do as you wish. You just delight the flesh all the time. No self-discipline. Canaan is a destination. Never you forget that. Canaan is a destination. 
And for you to get to Canaan, God knows the turns and the twists. And he's directing you per second per second. But if you are deaf to his instructions, if you never, if you just take everything for where grace will do it, grace is great. But people who preach grace, they're also obedient. Grace is meant to help us to obey. Grace is meant to help us to do the will of God. That's the essence of grace. So obedience is key. In Psalm 81 verse 13, Psalm 81 verse 13, the Bible says in Psalm 81 verse 13, Oh, God was exclaiming here that my people will listen to me, that Israel will walk in my ways, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Say, oh, if only they had listened to me, I would have subdued their enemies a long time ago. If only. It was a sigh. Saying, ah, if only these guys would just listen. In other words, what God has in store for you will blow your mind. There's a cause for disobedience. There's a price for obedience. But disobedience is more costly. Yes, there's a price for obedience. There's a price you pay for obeying God. But that price can't be compared to the cost of disobedience. The Bible says the sufferings of this present time can't be compared to the glory awaiting us. So just talk to yourself. Canaan is a destination. And you get to your Canaan in Jesus' name. But you have to begin to take obedience, instructions more seriously. We have to take instructions more seriously. God is not in a hurry. If God tells you don't do this, all the Ten Commandments is our good. So let's learn to begin to obey God. Even Jesus had to learn obedience by the things that he suffered. It's my prayer you will learn obedience in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer you will enter your Canaan. In the mighty name of Jesus, is my prayer God will make you a showpiece of his glory. It will make you a masterpiece of his glory. People will see you and they want to be like you. That's a good place to be in. It will make you a showpiece of his glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will live life well. And you also make it to heaven. Every promise of God is a possibility. Every promise of God is a possibility. Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 is a possibility. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will cause those who curse you. Say through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the plan of God. Say I will bring you to a land of milk and honey. A land that you eat bread without scarceness. A land of abundance. A land of abundance. A land of lavish grace. A land of abundance. God can lavish you with his blessings. But you have to get these things into your mind. Hell is crazy. Satan doesn't like you to be rich. Somebody pray. Say, look, I would rather be rich and envied than poor and pitied. Nobody criticizes the poor. They pity you. Oh, and they throw crumbs on you. They throw crumbs. They like you to be down there. When you begin to rise, tongues begin to wag. So if you don't have a thick skin, you will not rise. People can plateau you if you are not careful. But if you to be plateaued, you have only one life to live. And God said, look, I want to bless you. So it doesn't matter what the critics say. God will help us. In the mighty name of Jesus, your life will matter. Your life will count. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are that tree by the rivers of waters. You will bring forth abundant fruits. In the mighty name of Jesus, generations coming after will celebrate you. Say the good man is an inheritance for his children's children. You know, some people, is their grandfathers who left words for them. And they may not even know the grandfather, but they are thanking God for the grandfather. Our friends, they don't work the way I work because everything is just there for them, waiting for them. 
because of some grandfather, some great grandfather, your generations after will celebrate you. Amen. They will say, God, thank you for grandpa. Amen. Thank you for great grandpa. That will be your testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. As God blesses us, we shall remain humble. We shall not have a chip on our shoulders. It will keep us on course in the mighty name of Jesus. We will not swear off the narrow path in the mighty name of Jesus. The word of God is powerful. It wants you to enter your Canaan, but you have to pay attention to instructions. You have to learn to cry out to God in the closet. Corporate prayers are good, but when it gets down to it, it's you and God. The Bible says it got to a point Jacob was left alone. And he cried out to God because there was trouble looming. And believe me, in the process, he became a changed man. As you are left alone with God, this week I want to challenge you. Take out time. Just talk to God about your issues. Let your heart cry. Let your voice cry to God. Say, Lord, please give me a change. Jabez cried and God answered. It may be because you haven't cried enough. Some of us are not desperate enough. People who move stuff in the spirit, they are desperate people. People who actually move, they are desperate. They are people who are dissatisfied with the status quo because there's opposition. But when you cry, there's a way you can cry and God will move over 10,000 people to reach you. And that will be your testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Your cry will move angels. And your cry will move heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. And in a very short while, you will see what you are crying for. And your prayers will be intelligent. It will inspire you to pray according to the will of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.